1: football season is here and it's time to bet with my bookie use promo code gators and get a free 20 dollars wager with your first deposit your winning season begins today only at my bookie gators breakdown because there's never a dull moment in gator nation The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And joining me for this episode to preview the South Carolina Gamecocks, as always, will be Will Gunter, co-host of the early game on 107.5, the game in Columbia, South Carolina. Will brings it every time when we talk South Carolina football, and this one will be no different. A lot of good insight from a team that lost to Tennessee last week. Uh, looking to bounce back, uh, to, to get a big win over, uh, Florida. Look, last year they beat number three, Georgia and Florida's number three right now. So a lot of people are going to be pointing to that storyline. can South Carolina get another, uh, back to back seasons, get a win, uh, versus a top five opponent there. So, uh, they have the capability, uh, if you go back to last year and, and how that Georgia game played out. Uh, but, uh, you know, F- F- Florida should, Florida should win this one. I and mean, we'll preview South Carolina and maybe what they can do, uh, to make this game a little bit closer, uh, to to the Gators, given Florida problems the last couple of years, of course, uh, the big comeback in 2018, and then uh, back and forth game a little bit last year, uh, so uh, they, they match up well versus Florida in, in certain aspects. So we'll see if uh, South Carolina can play Florida tough uh, once again uh, coming up this Saturday at noon on ESPN, the first home game for our Florida. Gators. Uh, Remember coming up this Sunday will be our review episode with Nick De La Torre from Gator Country, Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. Uh, That will join me on Sunday as we take a look back at the South Carolina game and if you haven't yet uh, you can go back and listen to our Ole Miss recap and uh, also Will Miles and uh, back on Monday uh, took a look back at Ole Miss, went in some depth uh, more uh, about the game and also a little Quick peek at South Carolina and what we kind of expect to happen this week. Remember, you can get your Gators Breakdown merchandise at ebay.com slash STR slash Gators Breakdown. That is ebay.com slash STR slash Gators Breakdown. Link will be in the description as well to get you some Gators Breakdown merchandise. Everybody, thanks for the support out there. And that's one way. Look, all the listeners are are. are Plenty. Uh, I'm completely happy with that. But if you want another way to support Gators Breakdown, you can get some Gators Breakdown merchandise. And then remember you can find Gator's Breakdown on Newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. All the Gators Breakdown past episodes are there, as well as news 4 jax coverage of the Gators. Please share, rate, and review the show. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. It really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. Or check us out on your favorite podcast platform if you need the audio version only. And follow Gators Breakdown on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. If you're already subscribed, if you're already following, thank you very much. If not, please take care of that and support Gators Breakdown. And joining me now is Will Gunter, co-host of the early game on 107.5, the game in Columbia, South Carolina. He joins us every year, previewing the South Carolina Gamecocks. And Will uh, got to go up to Columbia last year, so thanks for all the hospitality of that. That was a wet, drench, rainy game there. But uh, uh, once again, uh, I know it was a year later, man, but that, that was a blast up there.
0: Yeah, we always have a, a good time. And i tell you what, surprisingly in this series over the last Several years, majority of games have generally been pretty competitive. I mean, you have had a blowout here and a blowout there, uh, but by and large, man, I mean you talk about we'll talk about this game today, but it's been a it's been a relatively com- uh, competitive series, especially compared to about the first fifteen years of South Carolina being in the SEC.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The last two years is Dan Mullen's first two years. Uh, come back two years ago, and then a uh, uh, kind of back and forth game last year after South Carolina jumped out to a lead there. So, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, take us back to last week. Of course, the SEC kicks off, and uh, South Carolina jumps out to a quick seven nothing lead, and then has to fight their way back to, to make a game of it versus Tennessee. Put themselves in position late, and then it's kind of just some terrible luck there at the end.
0: Yeah, terrible luck. I, I think I'm talking to the wrong fan base, though. I, you know, Florida fans have, have seen this, and I think yeah. that's where South Carolina fans are. They're just, you know, whatever reason, man, Will Muschamp, just, whether it's it's players playing up tight or bad, just bad luck, I, I don't know. I don't, at this point, you don't know with Will Muschamp because it, he looks on the surface like a guy who would be a really good head coach. He's, he's very organized. He seems to have his pulse on the uh, – on the pulse of his locker room, he's an X's and O's guy, I and mean, I think he's a very smart football guy. But, man, for whatever reason, if something can go wrong for Will Muschamp, it goes wrong. And, and last week, you know, South Carolina right comes back, ties the ball game at, at 24. Um, defense is playing better. And then four plays. Tennessee turns into uh, the, 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 the New England Patriots from the, the early 2000s with Tom Brady and Randy Moss. And they just go down the field in four plays and, and go up thirty one twenty-four and South Carolina they would get a field goal, cut it to thirty one twenty seven and holds Tennessee and then Tennessee punts and just typical Will must champ team, it, it hits a hits a player, bounces off of a red shirt freshman's leg and Tennessee recovers. South never gets the ball and a chance to go down and win the ball game. So it's just kind of that stuff. I go back you know all the things you think about with Will Muschamp and, and what his last game was as the head coach, or last game before he was let go by Florida, came against South Carolina, and it mm-hmm. took two miraculous special teams plays. By then, a Steve Spurrier coach team, a, a blocked field goal and a blocked punt for South Carolina to win that game. And again, I, I think the world of Will Muschamp. I, I think he has uh, a lot of things that South Carolina needs as a head coach, but. Uh, for whatever reason, it doesn't translate when when they step on the field on Saturday, and that to again on Saturday night.
1: Well, man, you, yeah, you sound like me in 2014. <laughs> I mean, especially after that South Carolina game, that was the reaction. If it, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong, uh, and, and, and it found a way to to happen there. So you know, after last season and the the tough schedule and and disappointing record, and now starting 0 and one, what's what's been the reaction of the fan base?
0: Well, you know, the fan base is just, they're done. I mean, there's a lot of people or—or or, those the vocal minority, I guess, the people that want to call and text into the radio station each and every morning. Uh, you know, unfortunately for Will, he came to South Carolina with baggage. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who say, well, if you can't do it in Florida, uh, with the uh, with the facilities and with the resources, how are you going to do it in South Carolina? And certainly, you know, that first year, man, he didn't have a good football team. But He somehow got to a ball game, and I know they went six and seven. And the next year, they go nine and four and, and really kind of turn things around. Uh, although, if you go back and look at that schedule now, um, it was it certainly broke South Carolina's way. I mean, I think South Carolina played like Tennessee was about to fire Butch Jones. They had to play like three coaches that year that have been fired. I know Randy Shannon brought Florida up uh, to to play South Carolina. That was kind of how that season would go. But um, I, you know, they, they got the nine and four and beat Michigan in the Outback Bowl, and then you. you slid backwards both years and obviously four and eight doesn't work for any fan base in South Carolina who's at least had some success this decade really doesn't like it then you factor in again that baggage with a will that we've already started talking about and there's just not, not a lot of people uh, that, that believe long term he's the guy and so you know you, you go into a season like this South Carolina was supposed to open with Coastal Carolina and with East Carolina, probably two games that they would have won and given themselves a chance to, to uh, work out some of the kinks of Mike Bobo's offense. Instead, you, you jump out of the gate with Tennessee, who I think South Carolina was very evenly matched against, and you move on to now a Florida team that's playing uh, just with a ton of confidence. It's amazing how far Florida has come. Since uh, the third quarter, or was it maybe by the early fourth quarter of the Kentucky game last year? It looked like they were going to lose, and then Felipe Franks goes down, and, and Kyle Trask comes in and has completely rejuvenated that program. And, and so, two teams heading in opposite directions collide again on Saturday in the swamp.
1: All right, so let's assess uh, new OC, new new quarterback coming in. Colin Hill and his play last week, you know, he seems to have found a, a favorite target in Shia Smith, and we'll get to that. But had the one. Pick six in the first half, it really wasn't his fault. It looked like he played pretty well in the second half to, to lead the comeback there. What did you see from him and new offensive coordinator Mike Bobo that there's something to build off of?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there is, uh, you know, if you get into personnel, South Carolina is is sorely lacking offensively with personnel. The the time running back recruit Marshawn Lloyd, a guy who a lot of people thought would carry the offense, uh, tears his ACL in the preseason from what in a non contact drill, from what I can understand. Uh, Jalen Brooks, uh, a wide receiver transfer, a guy that, that had drawn some very strong praise in preseason camp. He hadn't been able to, to get cleared by the NCA. That's two guys that, uh, probably would have been the top three or four playmakers for South Carolina offensively. And, uh, one is out of injury. One, at least as of us recording this, is, uh, is, is not is not eligible for the NCA. Maybe that changes on noon on Saturday. But, um, you know, they, there's not a lot to work with. And so I think that did make what Mike Bobo did on Saturday night a little bit more impressive. I think, in a way, it made what Colin Hill did a little bit more impressive. But uh, teams are going to quickly figure out that if you can bracket or stop Shai Smith, we don't know where South Carolina is going to get the the rest of their wide receiving production from. and And that could end up... As more teams figure out South Carolina, as more tape becomes available, that could certainly be a massive problem. It might be a, a big problem on Saturday.
1: And then, uh, Will, even have, uh, of course, you know, uh, even though Florida gave up a ton of passing yards last week uh, versus Ole Miss, I mean, maybe South Carolina's best chance of upsetting Florida is to, to slow, the, slow the game down as much as they can and, and run the ball. Didn't have a whole lot of success versus uh, Tennessee last week in running the ball. We'll go back to last season versus Florida. South Carolina did run the ball uh, pretty well with Feaster uh, leading the charge there. Uh, what are you looking for in a bounce-back performance in that area? I don't
0: know. I, I think you know we're still learning what exactly South Carolina's going to do. They've got three running backs. Uh, personally, I think they're all secondary running backs. I think they'd be good backups. Kevin Harris got to start last week and had 13 carries for 55 yards, but he's, he's more of a guy who's a bulldozer. You know, He might get you three or four yards. Maybe every now and then he'll pop off a, an 11 or 15-yard carry uh, if, if the blocking is perfect, but he's not, gonna, he's not, a, he's not a threat. He's not going to take it 75 yards or really 30 yards for that matter. Uh, You know, Sean Fenwick is a guy out of the state of Florida that they were very high on. Uh, They fended off some some pretty elite programs. Fenwick's a guy who, in his career, has gotten double-digit touches twice, once against Chattanooga two years ago and once against Vanderbilt last year. And I realize neither of those teams strike fear into anybody's heart, but he had 100-yard games against both of them. Uh, So he's at least shown the ability to – to make some things happen and last week had 31 yards on six carries. I think personally, if you're, you know, if you want my opinion, I, I think he should be the starter on Saturday. I said on our radio program this morning, I think that he should get uh, 15 to 18 carries on Saturday. That's what I think he should do. It's not what I, it's not what I think will happen. Total difference there, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, that's the guy he, he's shown some production and he had a little bit of burst to him on Saturday. And they had four catches for about 40 yards. He's a guy that I'm intrigued by. I don't know enough about, uh, and maybe could be uh, a upper echelon running back in this league, but I think he's got to get carries, and we've got to see what he can do. We'll see if that happens on Saturday. And then the third guy, Zaquandre White, was originally a running back at Florida State under Jimbo Fisher. They tried to move him to linebacker. He didn't want to do that. He transferred to Iowa Community College and uh, has been on campus now. And he, he's kind of, if there's a guy that could touch it, and maybe change the 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 uh, the momentum of a game with a seventy or seventy-five yard touchdown run. It's him. The problem is, I think he's he's still trying to figure everything out with this offense and what's going on. And, and uh, he's not a guy that I expect to factor. He did get seven carries on Saturday against Tennessee for nineteen yards. He looked a little loose with his ball security. That's something to keep an eye on. But uh, that's the third guy. We'll see. We'll see what exactly his role is on Saturday afternoon.
1: All right, Will Gunther, co-host of the early game on 107.5, the game in Columbia, South Carolina, previewing the South Carolina game clock as we move to the other side of the ball. And the headline there, Will, as uh, big news comes out this week, the senior linebacker Sherrod Green will be out for a few weeks now after a hip injury suffered in the game versus Tennessee. How big of a loss is that?
0: It's hard to say um, because he, he's a guy that, that certainly has got a lot of experience, but I don't know if he's lived up to – what everybody hoped he would be coming out uh, as a recruit and has uh, had some moments, uh, but has also really struggled at times. And a lot of people thought maybe thought maybe this actually might be a good year for him because obviously there's it's not losing any eligibility. There's a lot of people who thought he should have redshirted uh, his first year on campus and been, been allowed to come along slowly, but that simply didn't happen. And, and so he's had an up and down career, and it's hard to say there's a freshman that, that may get more playing time out of North Carolina. They're very high on Mo Caba. Uh, he is coming off of a torn ACL last year during high school, but is a guy that, that they really like and that they think can, can you know, be kind of a, a, a big-time SEC linebacker. Didn't play much last week. He may get some more snaps now. And so there's some people I'll talk to who say this may end up being a good thing. Uh, certainly you don't like losing senior leadership. But uh, it's hard to say right now. Linebacker was not the issue last week. Doug. That was that was not the issue, and you know we'll get into this defense a little bit. But uh, it, it's hard for me to say that that's a a massive injury that could play a role on Saturday.
1: And okay, yeah, you brought that up, and you know, the, the run defense there uh, will gave, gave you know it, it gave Tennessee some issues in the first half, but second half Tennessee finds some success on the ground, and, and Tennessee come out with some up tempo uh, in, in the second half. Uh, how much did that play a factor in just maybe the, the, the chunk run plays that Tennessee ended up getting, and you know, overall, you know, besides that little in that little period of the game, how did the uh, run defense that uh, uh, you know play overall?
0: You know, I. <laughs> I go back. I've talked about that this week. Um, I think Tennessee's offensive line. I knew going in to that game that Tennessee's offensive line would likely be one of, if not the best, that South Carolina faced. Uh, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not a huge Tennessee is back or Tennessee's a top twenty team, but I do think that they've got a really strong offensive line, and that's minus Cade Mays who didn't play on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so we thought that would be a test for South Carolina's defense. like hold them to about ten yards rushing in the first half. And then Tennessee comes out. Tennessee finished the game with 123 yards. he' was either 123 or 133 yards rushing. But 63 of those came on that opening drive. And I was in the stands. And, and i tell you what, it just looked like South Carolina was discombobulated. I'm not sure if, if they drank too much Gatorade at halftime and, <laughs> and they were moving a little slow. It didn't look good. I can tell you that body language didn't look good. It looked like it was confusion. Uh, I was I was kind of blown away with just – just the body language of, of the players to start the second half. And it seemed very strange that Tennessee took advantage. They, they ran ten plays, or ran eight plays, I think, and all eight were running plays. And, you know, they just went right down the field without much of a problem. Uh, and then South Carolina's defense kind of bowed back up and, and held them the remainder of the game. And uh, so that was kind of a, a weird thing. So I think South Carolina's defense line in general did a good job. Uh, the defensive line has got some guys on it. I, I'm interested to see what Will Muschamp does. There's a, a guy number six, Zach Pickens, who was a five-star player who, who was pretty impressive last week and I think should play more. This week He was he's a sophomore. Uh, there's another five-star player that they got, Jordan Birch, who's kind of a, mm-hmm. a defensive end slash linebacker, and he only played about seven plays last week and kind of made an impact but was going against Trey Smith and and Trey Smith popped him a couple times and put him on his rear end. So I think Jordan Burch had some welcome to the SEC moments, but (laughs) there's some, there's some talent there. And and at times last week they performed well. Uh, The the key with the defense, we can kind of get into this in a minute is the secondary enforcing turnovers. That was, that was the difference last week. South Carolina had two turnovers. One was a pick six. One was obviously the punt at the end of the game. They didn't force any turnovers on Tennessee last week. And that, that's something that, that really has been astounding with, with Will Muschamp and his defensive teams here. The year South Carolina went nine and four, they were able to force turnovers. They were able to set up the offense for easy scores. Last two and a half well, last two years and then Saturday night, it, forcing the turnovers become about the most difficult thing South Carolina's trying to do in football. They they just flat struggled doing it. And and that was huge on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, we go to that, that that secondary, and you know the the Vols' passing offense with Garantano did, didn't really go off well. But just when it felt like South Carolina was settling down on defense, kind of like you were saying, just when it felt like they were settling down on defense and things were going right, Garantano does what he does well and and, and finds some big chunk plays that that led the scores for Tennessee. Israel McQuamo didn't practice or didn't play all of the Tennessee game last week with a groin injury as well. So what's the outlook in the secondary, especially seeing what Florida did last week through the air and and then the kind of chunk plays that showed up last week?
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. who uh, played the first half and then was out with a, with a growing injury uh, there in, in the second half. And, and Cam Smith, who, again, was, was a highly rated four-star defensive back, chose South Carolina over Georgia uh, from, from right here in town and had a bunch of offers and was was really well thought of. He struggled. He's a matter of fact, the guy, he gives up the game-winning touchdown and then has the ball hit him on the foot. He really could have had a worse night, to be quite honest. I, I guess, I, you know, I guess he could have tripped Muschamp going to the locker room, and maybe that would have made it worse. But uh, or better, I, I mean, he had a bad. Yeah, yeah he, <laughs> he had a he had a bad night. He he had a real bad night, and uh, you know, he's going he to have to play better, man. Because I will tell you what, we, we talked about it on the radio this morning. You look at those Florida receivers, and I'm not even talking about Kyle Pitts. I'm talking about the receivers and Grimes and Copeland. And, you know, Justin Shorter only had two catches for eight yards last week. But, you know, he's capable of doing some things. And, that's you know, Kadarius Tony's going to line up all over the field. Well, That's four guys right now that are pretty much better, in my opinion, than anything that Tennessee was going to put out there. And then that's not counting Kyle Pitts. So you get into South Carolina's secondary a little bit. J.C. Horn is going to match up on somebody. We'll see who. Uh, Jamie Robinson is a guy that can come down and play the nickelback spot and I think can match up. And then we'll see if Maquamu can go. And then how does, South Carolina, how does South Carolina try to cover Kyle Pitts? Um, do they do it with a linebacker? Probably a bad matchup. Do they do it with Maquamu, which forces you to put another defensive back out there? So it's not a good matchup for South Carolina there right now with their secondary and, and what Florida the speed Florida will bring to the, uh, to the wide receiver position.
1: Yeah, that's something I'm interested in, Will, and and looking at that matchup and, and that particular matchup is, you know, do you not give up the big play like you did the Garantano? Like I said, he's known for that. That's kind of just basically his bread and butter is just living off the big play. Right. Not so much that, uh, you know, if they can limit the big play for Florida, I wonder if that if that forces Florida to, to try and run the ball to to bring them up a bit, or uh, if Florida just comes out slinging it anyway.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, we I, we go back to last year, and and you mentioned it. South Carolina made Kyle Trask and Florida work for all their points, yep. and then that game turned turned dramatically there. I, 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 people up here forget it. I mean, that, I don't know if South Carolina fans understand what was what was happening. South Carolina leads that game with ten minutes to go, um, and and uh, uh, Price or Prince Prince the running back you know, runs down the left sideline. And, oof, boy, people here are still so angry about the left tackle jumping off sides and that not being called. Oh,
1: the Damian Pierce run. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, you know, people up here. But I've said all before, South Carolina, Florida goes up 24-21, and South Carolina's defense had kept them in the game. And it's like you said, they had forced Florida to to move the football and not given up the chunk play. And South Carolina was really there. Well, then South Carolina drives down the field. I really think they're about to score a touchdown and go up and win that game. I think it was 24-20. Really, you go back to that. South Carolina got got going, ran the ball right down Florida's throat, got to the six-yard line, had run the ball successfully, and then Brian McClendon calls a play-action pass, and and Ryan Holinsky gets sacked. South Carolina's got to kick a field goal. I think that made it actually 24-20 in favor of uh, – I'd have to go back and look at the box score, but – any, anyway, I think actually it was twenty seventeen. I think South Carolina went up twenty seventeen, and then Florida just took over and scored three touchdowns in five minutes, and two of those were aided by uh, a turnover. And uh, there was two short fields that Florida got, and it went from it went from twenty seventeen to thirty eight twenty, really in the blink of an eye. But until that point, South Carolina had limited the big play and forced Kyle Trask to beat them with short throws, and then eliminated the run game. I don't know if they'll be able to do that on Saturday. I think the defense is better, but I don't know if, if they'll be able to do that on Saturday afternoon.
1: Now, well, before we uh, wrap up here, got a great, great, you know, look into that game here. Uh, uh, week one uh, in the SEC. Some, you know, uh, of course, time for overreaction and hot takes after only seeing one game, especially after this crazy offseason we just had. Uh, what caught your eye throughout the SEC? I know, of course, Mississippi State beating LSU, uh, you know, Florida's offensive onslaught, and then uh, some big games coming up this weekend with Georgia-Auburn uh, headlining that. Uh, what caught your eye so far?
0: Yeah, I don't. You know, I think I think the first thing you got to remember is that with with the current pandemic and with the virus, things are going to change just week to week, and, yep. and you don't know who you, you don't know what you're going to get. You know, I yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, by the time by the time we get the kickoff on on Saturday, who knows what the testing, who who's been tested positive or negative? You know, who knows? I, I think that that's one because you know you see that news come out. Like, I guess Saturday morning, not that he tested positive for the virus, but Derek Stingley, uh, that was huge for LSU. Um, so I think the first thing that I continue to think is that regardless of uh, – you can't look at a schedule, I think, and go down the line and say, hey, that's a victory, that's a victory, because I think every week is going to be entirely different. Um, after that, I'm, I'm intrigued to see more of Florida. Uh, I watched that game. saw the issues defensively. I was kind of following you on Twitter and keeping up with your insight. And and, But I'm intrigued to see more of it. Georgia, we'll see if JT Daniels is the answer to quarterback this week. But, my goodness, they looked just brutal uh, with Stetson Bennett. I know Stetson comes in the second half, and and they got that offense cranked up. And and if you didn't watch the game, you probably were unaware it was, what, seven to five at halftime. But, but I mean, Georgia did not impress me. Uh, Texas A&M, they get Alabama this week. But they struggled with Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. you know, you, you look around. I, I think it's wide open. I, I'm not even sure how much I'm buying into Alabama at this point uh, in this league. I, I can't decide whether it's Alabama and then a host of teams behind them, or if Alabama right now with Mac Jones is backed up to the pack just a little bit. So I, I, think I think not counting South Carolina. By the way, I don't want your listeners to listen to this and think, "Oh, you think South Carolina got a chance?" No, I don't. I don't think that. But I, I do think when you look at Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Auburn. Uh, maybe even maybe even throw Texas A&M in there depending on how you feel about Kellen Bond. I, I feel like those five really are are very competitive and then we'll see what Mike Leach does with Mississippi State and if that talent at LSU is able to gel throughout the year
1: now, do you think uh, after what you saw through one week we ended on this and, and go back to 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 the state of Mississippi right quick do you think uh Ole Miss and what Lane Kiffin showed on offense, and then what Mike Leach of short, of course, showed in getting the upset at LSU. Uh, you think their teams are going to run or, or, or rise to the not top, of course, but you know, sitting there and making it tough for Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M in the coming years.
0: I don't think Mississippi will. I think Lane Kiffin uh, is a, is a smart play caller, and I think he did some things that were creative that caught Florida off guard. When you when you talk about Reese Plumley and Corral kind of going out there and being on the field at the same time and and switching positions and and kind of doing some things and then then just general first game stuff. Uh, But I I think, you know, you saw the talent level start to take over, and I don't think uh, Mississippi will do that. I think Mike Leach is is terrifying. Uh, I I think that he will do a lot of what he's done at Texas Tech and Washington State, which is he'll jump up and bite you. You know, if you, you go into that game and you're not prepared and he gets that passing game cranked up, They'll jump up and bite you, but that defense for his has never been an elite defense. And and as the season wears on and smart defensive coordinators, guys more more athletes in the SEC start to be prepared for that defense, or excuse me, for that offense, can his def- can his defense stop other teams? You look at some of the games they, they would lose at Washington State, and they, you know, there were defenses that would figure that out, or his quarterback would have an off night. And when that happened, it went south on him in a hurry. Uh, so I'll be interested to see if Mississippi State they hit Arkansas this week and they'll win by about 77 or something. But, you know, as <laughs> this season goes on, I'll be interested to see that with teams trying to adjust to or catching up to that offense.
1: Sounds good, sounds good. Will, good man, I can't thank you enough. Will Gunter, co-host of the early game on 107.5, the game in Columbia, South Carolina, joining us once again to preview these South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, We'll uh, hope a good game on on Saturday. We can both enjoy it in in, in some ways. But, uh, you know, once again, thank you so much for for the great preview.
0: I always appreciate this time of year, but I always appreciate talking to you. Look forward to doing it.
1: Thanks, man. Football is back. MLB playoffs and the NBA finals are starting, which can only mean one thing. It's winning season at my bookie. A game is 10 times more exciting when putting money on it. Sometimes you have a gut feeling about a matchup or sometimes you just want to bet on your team because they're your team. Regardless, whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, MyBookie is your best bet this season with the biggest online selection of bets and props. They've made it simple to win and easy to withdraw your cash. Right now, MyBookie has a $100,000 super contest for only a $10 entry and they're giving away $5,000 in cash prizes every four weeks. You would be crazy not to invest your sports knowledge with that kind of potential return on your investment. $10 to win thousands? It's a no-brainer. Sign up at MyBookie, just use the promo code GATERS, and you can grab a free $20 wager with your first deposit to bet on anything in the sports book. It's an easy way to jumpstart your bankroll. College football, NFL, NBA, and MLB – They've got it all on tap, and it's never too late to get started on your winning season. Only at my bookie. So let's get into this uh, matchup here once again. Uh, sorry for the way I sound or if look or if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, allergies are getting the best of me today, so uh, gonna gonna power through it uh, here. But uh, yeah, you, you may see or or uh, hear some uh, hiccups <laughs> along the way here. But yeah. Looking at this game even more, and I, and I know everybody's kind of focusing on the defense just because of all the problems that we saw versus Ole Miss last week. So, I mean, I'm just very interested in seeing how Todd Grantham attacks and, and adjusts here. That's uh, You know, I, I know talking to a lot of you out there is just... Uh, The whole third and Grantham thing, you know, of course blows up, but uh, maybe sometimes a lack of adjustments by Todd Grantham as well. And uh, look, you know, last week, I mean, it didn't matter if he only sent three or if he blitzed, Matt Corral made plays uh, at the quarterback position. So I think when you transfer that and kind of look at this game versus South Carolina, Gamecocks quarterback Colin Hill, he isn't going to do that. Uh, He's... Torn has left ACL three times. I mean, like, he's not a, a whole, he's not an athletic, mobile quarterback like Matt Corral, anyway. Uh, but after tearing that ACL three times, you have to, you know, a- assume that uh, he, he just he's not going to have the top of escapability uh, that one uh, Matt Corral had. So, um, you know, Mike Bobo ha- has a history. Uh, we saw it plenty at Georgia. So something I want to look for, and maybe going against an aggressive, most of the time aggressive Todd Grantham defense is. Bobo has a history. And like I said, go back to Georgia and and watch that has a big time history uh, of running back to the screen, uh, screens to the running backs. And uh, that's a huge staple of his offense. And South Carolina had trouble uh, running those type of plays versus Tennessee last week. So, yeah, but, but it is a staple of of a Mike Bobo offense. So I would just kind of still keep an eye on on those type of plays here. So, uh, you know, if, an adjustment from Grantham is to, to go after a slower heel by by blitzing at times. You know, if the front three and front four aren't getting the pressure on their own, uh, look to see how much Bobo runs those screens and if he can dial one up at the perfect time. See if he can match one up when Grantham's bringing, uh, bringing the house and, you know, they can try and get behind all those blitzers use their blockers to, to to block the linebackers defensive backs and South Carolina making hit a big play uh, there in in that fashion. I don't think they're going to hit the same type of big plays that we saw Ole Miss hit last week. And we'll get into to that as well. But, you know, it's the perfect blitz beater uh, and Bobo, Bobo runs them a lot. So, you know, he's changed his offense a bit from Georgia. You know, there's... A, a little more spread, not so much pro style, but when they run the ball and I think, you know, you, you, you give that kind of look off of those running back screens as well. That's just where, where to look out for it at. So I don't know, obviously if he's going to run it as much as he did at Georgia, because you had a lot more talent at the running back position as well uh, for the Bulldogs. But, um, uh, you know, we're, we're just looking uh, at that to, to, to kind of be the blitz beater. If Todd Grantham decides uh, to get a little more aggressive. So um so you you have to see these defenders and these linebackers, you know, linebackers and cornerbacks in particular, have to come up, shed some blocks, make tackles better than they did last week. I mean, that was uh, the the biggest issue I think a lot of us saw out there. And, you know, and it is so hard to say that. Um, you know, it's hard to gauge a lack of effort when you're just watching TV. Sometimes you can see it, uh, but I do think there was so much guessing and second-guessing of what they were seeing on uh, from what Ole Miss was bringing to the table. And I think you, you just react a little bit slower. You play a little bit slower. And I think sometimes that can... Um you know lead to make it look like a lack of effort. So uh, I think we'll get a better gauge on that type of thing. Look, and, and Kyrie Elam said it, we said it, you know, earlier this week in the in in an earlier episode, they they were pissed off at what they saw uh, out there. So you you hope all that kind of translates into uh, a slower paced offense in South Carolina, not really going to go up to the line of scrimmage as fast as what old Miss did. Maybe they try and implement that since they know Florida had trouble with it last week, but I, I doubt it. That's just kind of not the, not the style there. Uh, but, you know, I, I really think the South Carolina offense, they're going to really try and play this one slow uh, and, and try and shorten the game to keep the Florida offense off the field. Last year, you remember uh, running back Tavian Feaster had his best game as a Gamecock, <laughs> rushing 25 times for 175 yards uh, versus his as Florida's defense. But he's, he's no longer there, uh, and this run game is coming off of, of, of off of a tough performance versus Tennessee last week. So stopping the running game that only averaged two and a half yards per rush last week while Florida gave up 3.8. So you know, to me, that, that sets up for, for Hill having to win the game by himself. I don't think South Carolina is going to magically run the ball, given who they have at running back right now. Uh, their struggles versus Tennessee last week, and Florida's run defense, you know, besides the one play where E.D. scored on and broke a bunch of tackles, didn't really have a whole lot of success. Now, don't get me wrong. They didn't have to run the ball uh, <laughs> with the way they were passing. So I think that plays into it a, bit, uh, a little bit as well. But I, I, I like what I saw most part from the rush defense there for, for for the Gators last week. So, you know, this offensive line for South Carolina, they're going to have to play much better, give Hill some time. and uh, Hopefully the front three, front four for Florida can generate enough pressure uh, there uh, to just – because there's going to be times Grantham, you know, with the side dependence here is back uh, on Hill and maybe kind of test his mobility uh, a bit, especially if the, if the front three, four uh, not getting pressure. But he's not elusive enough to do what Corral did last week. Uh, and we'll have to use quick decisions, quick throws to avoid the pressure. That could lead to some turnovers as long as the defensive backs for Florida are up in coverage, pressing those South Carolina wide receivers. And I'll get into that uh, a bit here too. But uh, one more note on uh, Gamecocks quarterback, Colin Hill. He's faced Florida once already. Uh, go back a couple years ago, Dan Mullen's first year. Hill and Colorado State. Mike Bobo was the head coach at, uh, at Colorado State. One reason Hill came over uh, to South Carolina. So all the way back on September 5th, 2018. Of course, Colorado State got beat by Florida 48-10. to Hill did play in that game uh, a little bit. Two for eight, 23 yards in that game. And look, I, I know it's just a neat note. It doesn't mean anything uh, for this coming up Saturday. But him and Bobo have been in the swamp together uh, a couple years ago. So you know, is just a neat little note there. Like I said, that performance has nothing to do with translating for what we're going to do come up or see this coming up Saturday, but a uh, a note nonetheless, but uh, here here we go. Of course, if Grantham decides to let loose with the blitz and and the communication, the coverage, we know guys, it's obvious. It has to be better than last week and not have a, a quarterback wide receiver combo go off last week, like Ole Miss did and corral and Elijah Moore back last week, hooked up 10 times for 227 yards. Well, last week, South Carolina had uh, something a little bit similar here. And um, last week, a hill and wide receiver Shy Smith hooked up 10 times uh, as well for 140 yards and a touchdown. So South Carolina has, you know, they haven't been some great passing team the last few years. And Shia Smith is still 12th on the school's all-time receptions list with 127. He needs 15 catches to tie Sidney Rice for 10th all-time on that list. He has... uh, 1,711 career receiving yards, and he needs 365 yards to match Debo Samuel for 10th on the school's all-time list. So look, guys, those are big names for South Carolina that we've seen in recent years, Sidney Rice and and uh, Debo Samuel, and Sean Smith's right up there uh, with those guys. So it lets you know the potential and, and how much South Carolina likes to use him. Uh, so it's obvious who Florida has to stop in this passing game, but you have to go back and look. All those numbers are good. But he hasn't done it against Florida the last few years. Smith only caught two balls last year for 18 yards versus Florida, two catches for 24 yards in 2018, and one catch for 26 yards back in 2017. So with all those numbers, he hasn't done much versus Florida. So now, now look, C.J. Henderson's been <laughs> been here uh, for most of the, for the for those games as well for for most of those games anyway. Uh, so uh, you, you, you know that probably plays a little bit in, in it too. So. Um, We've seen this defense the last two games. What go back to the Orange Bowl and versus Ole Miss without C.J. Henderson and the pass defense has been a little iffy without C.J. out there. So uh, he's been you know in in the games and look he's not been matched up against shots man. So I'm not going to give all the credit to to, to C.J. here, uh, but you know it, it worth noting I, I guess you should say that if he decides to go off, much like um, uh, Moore did last week. What is Grantham going to do to adjust uh, early on? So you can't have a can't have the receiver go off again like uh, what we saw uh, last week. But other than um, other than Smith, uh, Xavier Leggett four catches for sixty one yards um, last week versus Tennessee forty two came on one reception so. He's maybe their second best option there, but no other game Gamecock wide receiver caught a pass. But those two guys, Smith and Leggett, uh, they they spread out among tight ends and running backs. So, uh, Grantham needs to take out a lot of the guesswork. Um, you know, the athletes need to man up and, and and play. You know, besides Smith, you know, Muschamp uh, mentioned uh, South Carolina has issues there, and and this is what Will Muschamp had to say this week. And coming off that Tennessee game and, and looking forward to Florida, he says, "quote You have to win in man coverage in this league. We have some guys." We had some guys targeted. If you can't create separation, it's hard to throw it to you. We're not going to throw the ball to a guy that can't get open. We're going to see man coverage Saturday. We're going to see it the rest of the year in our league, especially in those deny the ball downs at third and six. You have to win versus man coverage. So it was an obvious issue for South Carolina last week. I hope Grantham brings these DBs up. I know you can give up some big plays there. But, you know, th- th- they struggled last week. And I really do think, you know, I think you can press your heel into making some quick decisions, some quick throws. And if your DBs are up on these wide receivers, I think you have a chance for some turnovers here, uh, some interceptions uh, with, that, with, that, with that close coverage. So, you know, look, Florida will get a little help. But South Carolina won't be old Miss with all the window dressing, up-tempo offense style. You know, for the defense, pressure the quarterback. Identify that matchup with Shia Smith. Stop him, even if you have to throw some more help Marco's way by covering Smith in the slot, make sure he's not beating you. Get up in the faces of the other wide receivers and make them beat you. So that's what I'm looking for there on with the defense and, and what they can do uh, to improve uh, second game of the season after uh, the disappointing performance versus Ole Miss. So uh, other side of the ball it's a lot easier on offense after what we saw saw last week and kind of to identify you know, what needs to be done. And, and the task, it needs to me, just hit continue hitting chunk plays, hit the big plays. South Carolina gave up five passes of 20 yards or more to uh, Tennessee's uh, Jarrett Garantano last week. And look, for all the all the criticism of, of Garantano, he does a pretty good job of throwing the deep ball and completing deep passes there. So that ability is there. It looks like we see that ability from Kyle Trask a bit more, too, after one game. So Trask also had five of those last week. Uh, but Garantano, like I said, is more known for that. So with the steps of this offense has taken in that regard, I look for Trask to hit on that and, and possibly even more uh, with this uh, Gator defense here. Uh, this is a good game to, to show to me for Trask that he's in command and in control of the offense. And, and, and that means maybe even playing within the offense a bit. Must, must, Will Muschamp can scheme up a good plan. Uh, and, and I know it was raining last year in that game in Columbia, but it wasn't Trask's best game. And, and I won't blame it all on the rain. I, I was there uh, in the first half when the rain wasn't that bad. Trask was just playing okay. When the rain got worse, he actually played better <laughs> in the game. So, uh, you know, going back to last year, uh, they, they gave Kyle Trask some trouble uh, a bit, or early on anyway. But, you uh, th- Travis got better. Rain went on. South Carolina made him work last year 21 to 33 for only 200 yards, but he did have four touchdown passes. So, it, to me, in a way, that was one example of kind of playing within the offense. But this is um, a, a, a different. I think playing within the offense this year, I can see a scenario where, where must champ dials up the secondary, not letting the big plays happen uh, again and making trash work for everything. And maybe even uh, setting up the run game early uh, to, to try and draw the secondary up. And that's when you'll hit your big plays. Uh, so uh, I think Florida is too good. If we see a lot of press man on the wide receivers, I think Florida's got some athletes uh, at the receiver position. So I expect must champ and that defense to play it safe, mix up their coverage between man zone, uh, and maybe try to slow the game down there too. Not letting the big plays happen, make Florida work for everything and slow the game down for Florida's offense to have to maybe put together seven, eight, nine, ten 10 play drives. And then when South Carolina's on offense, run the ball, short passes, and you march down the field too, just kind of limit Florida's possessions. And when Florida's on the field, you just make them drive for it to kind of limit possessions overall uh, in the game. So given that scenario, like I, I, and I I really want to see the, the Florida run game kind of continue what they did last week. I, it's to me, you know, uh, and we'll get into it with some of your comments too. So I'll, I'll kind of save it for that. But the, but the run game, uh, I like what I saw last week. Can they get better? Absolutely. But it was one of the better performances we have seen since 2018, given, given it all. I know a lot of it was helped by Kadari's Tony's 50 yard run, but you know, the running backs had over six yards of carry as well. So, uh, I, I just think we want to see more cohesiveness from the offensive line. You had some chances there for even more. Uh, Reese pulling around. Uh, and, and like I thought they would run behind him more, uh, but when they would run left, he would pull, and just a little slow in some of the spots there. So I think as his offensive line plays together more, I like what Brett Heggie brings to the table at center. He played with a, an aggressive, mean streak uh, there. We didn't necessarily see last year from Buchanan, so I think that... Is one step that, for for if you want to identify where the offensive line got better last week and, and how it can look moving forward, I think we all expected it to come from maybe Stuart Reese early on. But to me, it's actually been Brett Heggie kind of being that linchpin right now for showing the mean streak toughness that we didn't necessarily see at, at times last year. So, did he miss some plays last week as well? Absolutely not going to be perfect. We know that. And as we'll said earlier this week, you're looking for a baseline uh, to, to start where, with this offensive line. Last year versus Miami in the first game, that baseline was not good. You start with a baseline with what we saw last week versus Ole Miss, you kind of get a, a little, um, I won't say excited, but a, a little a better a better baseline to start with. Uh, maybe the expectation rises just a bit uh, from what we saw there. So we'll just put it together two weeks in a row, and we'll see where it goes from there. So with all that being said, uh, last week I actually picked the point spread uh, versus Florida Ole Miss. I had a 16-point game, and that's what it ended up being, but... Uh, it was a lot higher scoring game that I gave it credit for there, so I had the uh, point spread right, uh, but uh, it was uh, pretty pretty good there. So let's go with this week, and I got a score of Florida forty, South Carolina twenty. I think the game, like I said, will slow down a bit, so there may not be as many drives because I don't expect South Carolina to score as much or as fast as on this did last week. Still think Florida takes advantage of most of their possessions. Score, force South, South Carolina to some short three, four, five play, six play drives, and then get the ball back to the offense, and the offense will continue to score. 40 to 20, and that's what I'm looking for uh, for the Gators here. So let me pull up, getting some uh, thoughts from you guys. I asked you what you wanted to see this week as far Florida matches up against South Carolina, and let's go with Donald Lipscomb says, Personnel changes on defense. I think we need to roll more guys through across the board to keep them fresh. Dean earned more play at safety, in my opinion. Want to see Hopper and Wingo at linebacker on third down. Got freshmen in game. Uh, get freshmen in game more uh, at D-line to spell Slayton Dunlap there. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm kind of mixed on that. You know, we saw Rashad Torrance kind of struggle a little bit. But as Todd Grantham uh, told me in, in the press conference when I asked him about Uh, what happened with Sean Davis going out. He goes, it was good that Torrance went out there and got the experience, because the experience is what they're going to need to get better moving forward, of course. And, um, you know, uh, I think you keep your best players out there right now. We'll we'll see where it goes from there. I just don't want you, I don't want any breakdowns on coverage. And I know that comes with playing the young guys, but we need to see something solidified on this defense this week. So, um, yeah, I, I think if you can keep your starters in, a good bit in the first half, maybe build a lead to where then you can get your young guys some playing time. That's probably the route I'd go because after seeing what we saw last week, I think everybody on defense, including the starters, including your your front line, your 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 your, your top guys, need to play better, and I think they need to play out play as a unit. Out there better, so I think you take your best players, see what you can get out of your best players, and then go from there. Uh, I do agree, though. Trey Dean deserves more time. So maybe uh, through the game last week and practice this week, they've identified him as a player needs to to be on the field a bit more. And you know, him with the experience, it doesn't matter if he's not a starter or quote or not. He could be one guy that can absolutely be rotated in a, a bit more there. Hopper Wingo at linebacker on third down. We'll see uh, what happens. You know, linebacker looked like they were missing a few pieces last week. Probably some different circumstances. Uh, Players missing time through COVID during camp and all that. So I think some players are behind a little bit there. Uh, So hopefully all back um, can get some playing time as well Uh, there. I I know everybody's kind of looking at Amari Bernie and maybe pulling him out uh, a bit and and putting inserting another player in there. We'll see how that goes. I think uh, we just kind of have to – See how all that works out, um, given a- a- everything that uh, has happened in the off season with players missing time and and all that good stuff. So. Let's see, uh, Tyler says, uh, Tyler at Star Rock Dunk Top says defense needs to play well enough that the South Carolina offense looks like they're a Will champ coach team. <laughs> if we can do that, I'll be content with the defense. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. You know, it is a Will champ coach team. How much does he trust Mike Bobo, the offensive coordinator, to hand over the reins? Uh, he should trust him a lot. Uh, I like what Bobo did at Georgia. Uh, doesn't have the talent uh, right now at South Carolina to, um, uh, but I mean, to, to get that going, Florida had a lot of success, uh, versus Bobo at Georgia as well. So, you know, that's kind of if Muschamp can trust him, I think the offense does get better. Uh, year one, I still think, even with Colin Hill, a quarterback that Bobo coached at Colorado State, I still think there's so many questions, uh, with, with that offense in South Carolina. But I think Bobo is the right guy, uh, that Will Muschamp. I think this is, this is his last guy, guys, to, to either extend Will Muschamp's head coaching career. And if it doesn't work out with Bobo, um, we'll much chance in trouble for getting maybe an- another high tier uh, SEC job. I don't think he gets another one if it fails with Bobo. Maybe just goes and gets a group of five head coaching jobs somewhere. But uh, this is his last ditch effort to kind of, to me, save uh, his head coaching career. So, uh, Lou, at Lou, in a bunch of numbers, 33683943 3, there. So, uh, he says he wants to see a more sustainable run game, defensive pressure up the middle, and our secondary looking adequate enough uh, to make a championship run. Uh, yeah, I said uh, talked about a bit that uh, a bit already. Uh, more pressure up front uh, through the middle. I can see that. I think the defensive line and even the linebackers too. A lot like as I kind of went to it last uh, earlier in the episode. A little tentative because of what they were seeing from Ole Miss. And once Corral started making plays with his legs, I think the whole defense started playing a little bit slower. and, and that pressure kind of got dialed back a little bit. In their head, and from Todd Grantham, uh, trying to save the big play happening, uh, and so they were they were in position sometimes. Corral made plays, made guys miss, even by beyond the line of scrimmage, uh, and getting that extra one two yards to to convert uh, a third down. So, I, I just want them to see him play not as tentative as what they saw last week, and I think quarterback play, opposing quarterback play, has a lot to do with that, and I think that really helps uh, Todd Grantham and, and the her defense. Uh, this week ac at fte underscore gators says give me a stronger defense and consistency in the run game uh, and just want to see the d get more pressure and try to force a turnover or two offense can stay the same i spoke on most of that earlier uh, david sordaquist better defensive play especially in the backfield um, even more in the running game a little more from special teams returning kicks defensive turnovers uh, will and will must champion into kicks field goals instead of scoring touchdowns uh, hit on a lot of that here. But one thing I will a little more on special teams, as far as special teams go, I'm at the point now with how the, especially with the way this Florida offense is and we know can score, just don't mess it up. I, I don't need a big kickoff return. I don't need a big punt return. I need to kick off and punt return, not to turn the ball over and and not, you know, muff a punt or, or, or fumble a, a kickoff return. I, I'm fine with playing it safe on, on special teams just because I trust this offense now. Uh, I, I, it's not going back to the real must champion Jim McElwain days where we think we need a good return just to set up the offense in good field position, just to get some kind of points. I, I have so much belief in this offense, I think Dan Mullen does too. I think you know we saw the safety play uh, like that with Freddie Swain back there in return, and look, I, you do have a little more playmaking ability back there with Kadarius Tony um and so i do think they probably want a bit more with him back there but i think after what we saw from him last week from the receiver position as well they trust him to make the right decision and and catch the ball when he needs to and try and go make plays when he needs to back there so i think it's uh you know with tony you can get uh the the, the big play if it's there, but also I think right now you get the safety net of him making the right decision and not messing anything up and still giving the offense the ball and let them go get the points instead of trying to force points through uh, special teams. Uh, Brian Swerverland says, I'd like to see Pierce get going from the start. Also, the offensive line to be less confused, more in seeing after the snap. Uh, yeah, kind of spoke on that a, a bit too. Yeah, less confused. Uh, getting around on, on pulls, I think, is one thing I, I want to look out for, uh, especially with, with Reese pulling from right to left. Uh, this is the game to get it right. Uh, I agree there. Emory needs more looks if he's uh, next year's QB1, but mix more organically, not scripted. Maybe even extended drives and mop-up duty. Uh I yeah, I got in the conversation about Emory and this thought of he'd be QB one next year, uh and all that stuff about playing time. And look, I'm in the mind right now. You do you worry about next year, next year. And if he can go out there and get playing time and experience, all well and good. Uh he's he's been in the system. I, game experience, he's played enough games too to where Sprinkling him in, I, I don't know how much that really does this year, but you can't let him come out, come in, and, 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 and look. I know it wasn't all on him the interception, but you know, in a tight game, if that was to happen in a, a game versus Georgia and possessions are at a premium, and you throw up a lame duck interception like that, then you know that can come back to haunt you. So, I'm, I, especially for this year, when you have everything in front of you and you're almost, you're kind of labeled as a, on a championship run. Worry about Emory and his experience next year. Uh, give me Kyle Trask out there every snap if it if it has to be that way, and go me go with me the ball game. Uh, we can worry about next year, next year. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you can get him out there, it's a bonus, and getting him the experience absolutely helps. But it's an added bonus, and I, I don't think I don't think you force it just to get him experience uh, for next year uh let's see uh south florida don uh at d parla says the return of dbu is what i want to see i'm confident mullen will correct the issues we saw in the opener also another outstanding performance by trask i'm really happy to see him get the credit he deserves and that that's you would be nice to see as well with you know let's uh Let's keep the Kyle train, uh, Kyle train, Kyle Trask train rolling, uh, and you know keep uh, that conversation uh, that we've heard all week now. Let's keep it going, uh, and I definitely want to see it too. Florida was in the spotlight this week because of Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts play, and a lot of you know everybody loves offense. That's just what it is right now. Offense sells, and when you have a quarterback slinging it like Kyle Trask did to keep florida in the spotlight and then, look that only helps recruiting and down down the road you, you get talked about like this and we saw some recruits reactions on various websites out there this past week and how excited uh, they were to see this florida offense rolling keep it rolling and keep florida in the spotlight keep florida uh in a good light in the media uh and, and look recruits take notice about stuff like that so uh john williams says i want to see a defensive line keep the quarterback in the pocket and better tackling Also improved safety play. Corral took advantage of the edge rushers getting too far upfield all game long, but dialing back an aggressive line is not the worst problem to have. (laughs) And Georgia sucks. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I mean, talked about most of that too. Let's just, you know, uh, tentative play. I think come along with that last week. Hopefully, we see. more sound play uh, up front this week. fan 81 says, multiple sacks and pressures from the defensive line. I don't want a quarterback to have any time to even think about who he wants to throw to. Also, I want four touchdowns through the air. Uh, yeah, kind of going uh, all that uh, backs up so a lot of the comments I wanted to say about putting pressure on Hill, not giving him time to think about it. Put the DBs up. Maybe you get some turnovers uh, there. Black, uh, let's see. Uh, at David Lundin, on Twitter it says, "I want to see that confused look on Muschamp's face when he is losing another game to the Gators." <laughs> I think we all want to see that one, of course. Too uh, at l r y a l one forty talked to him a good bit here on, on Twitter. I uh, don't know what the uh, like I said the the name there. Hopefully, it's in all caps, so I'm just going to say all all the letters there instead of trying to figure out what it's trying to say. <laughs> he wants the defense to be more prepared, get faster, more energy offense uh, more of Tony get Copeland involved and a running back to have a big day. Uh, like I said, like we were talking about with Kyle Trask and, and continuing. Yeah. Uh, another performance from Kadarius Tony, I think would give a a lot, a lot of people more confidence that he has taken those steps and not just a one hit wonder last week, but like, like we've seen from him in the past sometimes and yeah, c- continue seeing him run routes as a true wide receiver and continue to see him as that gadget player making big plays. You know, he's the perfect weapon if he can do both of those and the prediction and the predictable uh, play from him in the past, you know, him being a more well-rounded receiver, uh, a player can can only help that. Uh, Get Copeland involved. Yeah, we saw Copeland uh, really early on last week and kind of faded uh, as the game went on. But 11 11 guys caught the ball. That's going to happen in some of these games. You'll see some flashes early and the guys will fade away. You'll see some flashes in the middle or or late in the game. Uh, And, uh, you know, that didn't necessarily happen earlier in the game. So the way Trask and Mullen spread the ball around, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see some hot and cold <laughs> numbers uh, from some players out there. Uh, a couple more here. Daniel Cannon says, I want to see the offense pick up where they left off and improving on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Gator main, Gators Mains at Tyrone Couples says, run game a little bit more and the defense clean up the sloppiness. Uh, Andy R. Underscore Realtors said defense, obviously, but the run game established early. Can we block a punt, take a kick or punt to the house? Uh, yeah, hit on most of the special teams there. Can we block a punt? That would be nice to see as far as special teams go. Um, you know, just haven't 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 seen a whole lot of that. And that, and that might be going into playing a little bit safe, too, uh, and get the, just getting the ball back to your offense. You know, why um, why risk getting a rough in the punter and keeping the opposing offense on the field? Uh, right now, when you could just play a little bit safe, catch the ball, get your offense on the field. So, I, I see both ways there. Um, it is it is interesting because I know everybody wants to go back to Urban Meyer and, and wants that type of speed and, and, and pump blocking ability on the field there. Uh, but... Uh, I think Dan Mullen's a little more conservative uh, in that regard. At Gator Growl, UK Swamp says, I'm feeling spoiled on offense already, but i like to see our run game make more progress. Our secondary has to step up, and our defensive line has to take control. Last couple right here, Cameron Harris, defense better tackling, get lined up in communication. I think that's the biggest thing uh, this week. That that had to be worked on. That, that's the most basic of improvements this Gator defense can make. Get in position when the ball is snapped, and you're there to, to to make a play, and you're not guessing, you're not trying to trying to get in your spot when the ball is snapped. Be there, ready to go. And he says on offense, keep working the run, and continue to spread it around, be aggressive. And Swamp LS says defense, clean things up, better tackling, take away big plays uh, by better coordination in the secondary. Offense to remain. And th- this was an interesting, you know, point to kind of a little bit from what we've already talked about. Offense to remain explosive so it wasn't, quote, only because it was old Miss. Get more players in the rotation involved that we may need to count on later in the season. And the, the the point about only because it was Ole Miss, that, that was thrown around a bit this week, of course. Uh, hey, Florida put up those yards uh, because it was old Miss. Well, one thing, that's true, but at least you did what you were supposed to do. And I'm a big fan of that. Uh, jo- did Georgia do what they were supposed to do last week versus Arkansas? No, they did not. And that's why they have so many questions surrounding their team right now. You know, warranted this early in the season, well, they they have plenty of time to improve. But right now, through one game, you, you can say that about Florida's offense. They did what they were supposed to do versus an overmatched defense. Georgia did not. Did it get better for them? Yes. But they did not do what they were supposed to do when you look at the matchups. And so, yeah, we, we want to see it again from this Florida offense. Go out there, you know, put another stellar performance together and you're going to get talked about even more. And I put some confidence, I think, in the players that, Hey, this is two sec games. Now we've went out there and we've dominated on offense. And, you know, a lot, a, and, we, and we saw the confidence last year, I think, but it did, you know, fall by the wayside uh, when, when they went and played Georgia. So, you know, this continue this, maybe put some more confidence. And then you get, by the time you get that Georgia game, even if some bad things happen. You still have the confidence that you can go out there and, and, and because you what you've done up until that point, you get some confidence into your offense to use and figure, figure some things out. But that's way down the road. But yeah, through two games, it'd be nice to say, hey, this offense is humming. It did pick up where it left off last year. It's gotten better in a lot of regards, and let's keep it going. So everybody, thank you so much for sending all those comments that I always like getting your input and, and breaking down of uh, what you guys are saying and how I can, uh, and how I look at it as well. So, of course, before we go, let's take a look around the SEC and what's coming up. A few interesting games this week. Uh, of course, nothing major except for one game, George Auburn, we'll get into that. As we said, noon kickoff, South Carolina, Florida, that's games on ESPN. Uh, also noon game, Missouri and Tennessee can Tennessee win their second game of the year. Uh, after beating South Carolina last week, Missouri played Alabama last week, had a lot of players out. Uh, they didn't embarrass themselves. I think Alabama probably could have run it up a, li- a bit more if they wanted to, but Missouri, you know, not, not, not a terrible performance there. So, uh, how, how, how they open up against, uh, how, how they play against Tennessee, as Tennessee looks to go 2-0 and uh, and stay in the race with Florida and Georgia in the SEC East. Uh, CBS three thirty game is Florida's next opponent, Texas A&M, in Alabama. Uh, interesting game there as Texas A&M is coming off of a struggling performance versus Vanderbilt. And in uh, Alabama in their uh, first home game here. So we'll see if AM and and m you know, they can play Alabama tough sometimes. Uh, so we'll see whether it can kill them on, test that Alabama defense at all. Texas A&M's got some players uh, opting out, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and Alabama's wide receivers go, uh, you know, led by Waddle there. Can they... Uh, continue their their, their performance there so interesting game to to watch of course because Texas A&M will host Florida next week so I know everybody will want to keep an eye on that game at four o'clock Ole Miss and Kentucky and desperation mode for those two teams already I think most people probably come out of last week more impressed by Ole Miss even in a loss to Florida than Kentucky in a loss to Auburn so uh, I think we would we would want to watch that game and see if Ole Miss can continue their offensive onslaught that they put on Florida last week versus a pretty good defense in Kentucky. And, of course, you know, can Kentucky bounce back uh, from last week's disappointing performance versus Auburn and, and ride the ship there? So I think that's interesting to watch because of Kentucky's talent in the trenches, especially when they're on the offensive line and see how, how they perform versus that Ole Miss defense as well. Uh, So, you know, if you're driving back from Gainesville, hopefully you'll be home in time to catch the 730 kickoff of Auburn and Georgia. Glad that game's at night. I'd be home in time to to watch that one. Uh, Auburn, Georgia, I think all eyes will be on that game. And what happens for Georgia quarterback, of course, is it JT Daniels? Is it Stetson Bennett, DeJuan Mathis? What's going to happen there? Can they put it together on offense uh, at home? And then Auburn coming off that impressive performance last week versus Kentucky. Can Bo Nix take another step against a really good Georgia? Georgia defense. Uh, this this game's intriguing. This probably is the most intriguing game of the SEC so far. Um, going back, you know, of course, you can say after the fact Mississippi State and LSU last week, but I think as far as going into a game and the interest level, I think this one takes the cake so far between Auburn and Georgia. Uh, also at 7.30 p.m., Arkansas and Mississippi State. We'll see if Mississippi State can continue and follow up a big win versus LSU last week. Felipe Franks in Arkansas where they bounce back after a uh, uh, disappointing second half versus Georgia uh, last week. And then the night cap, will LSU be able to rebound at Vanderbilt? Don't think there'll be much of a problem there. we uh, will be interesting to see how they bounce back. Uh, are they licking their wounds and you know, woe is me? attitude and and just kind of put together they're going to win that game but are they going to put together a lackluster performance versus Vanderbilt and and keep the questions mounting or will they come out peed off ticked off and and go out there and put it on Vanderbilt Uh, I don't know if we'll be able to judge either way what what type of win LSU has I think they continue the questions will continue and continue to rise even more if they struggle in that game but if they go out there and blow out Vanderbilt, everybody will say, well, that's what you should have done. So the continu- the, the questions will continue for, for LSU as the as the as the season wears on, no matter what happens, uh versus Vanderbilt this coming up week. So there's your SEC slate, a bunch of good games there. Um no no, no headliners really except for Auburn, Georgia. Uh, but you know, some interesting games there to look at and see how teams respond. Uh, from all the questions surrounding a first game last week and and you know <laughs> how would they handle uh, the offseason going into the first game and how do, how will teams bounce back and improve upon week one going into week two. So there we go. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Once again, thanks to Will Gunter for his South Carolina preview. We get him on every year uh, to preview South Carolina. Knows South Carolina uh, really, really well. Gives them some, some great insight there. Really enjoy having him on. And that will do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore S-E-C. and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.